understanding the differences of different generations. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjukevich. This is the first day from the fundraising school, and I'm joined today by my colleague, Dr. Patricia Snell-Herzog. Dr. Snell-Herzog is a nationally recognized researcher on a wide range of philanthropic behaviors, including distinctions we see amongst generations and their philanthropic activity. And that's why she's authored Chapter 31 of Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, the fifth edition, Differentiating Generations and Their Giving. And Patricia, always a delight to have you with us at the Fundraising School, including on today's podcast. Always a pleasure, Bill. Thanks for having me. So what are these differences we see in generations? A charitable gift is a charitable gift, but we do see some distinctions across these generations. What have you found? So one of the things that is important to cover it, before we dig into and answer that question is that generations um, is a it's a common understanding out there, a way to understand, you know, um, changes across time. Um, and people tend to think about these kind of cohorts or, you know, groups of people like the millennials or Gen Z. It's a kind of a, a good popular notion. Um, and then it's one of those ideas or concepts that's really tricky to kind of measure and put specifics around um, because it's really an intersection between age and life stage, um, as well as social and historical factors that have kind of segmented groups together. Um, so for example, you know, the baby boomers being characterized by Vietnam or uh, the millennials in hindsight being characterized by 9-11. Um, and so, there's there's this aspect where it's like maybe this is about the generation, right? Um, or maybe it's also about um, changes over the life course, because at any snapshot point in time, um, a generation is also at a particular life stage. Um, and so, so one of the things that we uh, in the field have found regarding understanding younger people is that um, the transition into adulthood is taking longer for younger people. And so that life stage of kind of being stuck in between is uh, is a longer period of time than it was for prior generations. So what we found is that uh, people who are kind of stuck in between tend to be less rooted, tend to be less engaged, you know, during that phase of their life in their, in their local um, community and therefore in their organizations. So uh, that's one thing to keep in mind when people are fundraising is thinking about how to build those connections with people who may be more episodic at that stage in their life in terms of their engagement with an organization. I'm hearing 3D chess from you once again. When people think about generations, they might think, oh, and let's just, you know, for sake of discussion here, you know, one generation is 18 to 35 and the next one is 36 to 55. And, you know, if that were the case and you're saying, that's interesting, but you can't necessarily compare people across those different age groups because they're growing up in different eras. They're growing up in different times of history. You mentioned, you know, people in the 60s were experiencing something. You know, today's Gen Zs and the millennials, they knew, you know, the Great Recession and then COVID and the older ones also knew 9-11 and that shapes them. Am I understanding you correctly that we really can't make an apples to apples comparison of thinking about, say, today's Gen Zs to when their grandparents were in their 20s? It's 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 somewhat correct. I think the one thing I would say is maybe it's different kinds of apples to uh, various other sorts of apples. I'm not saying that you cannot make a comparison. It, it just needs to be careful. Um, and it needs to understand that generation is always a blend 
of, of these multiple factors, the social and historical context in which that group was born, and also in, in, in terms of major events when they were coming of age. That's another kind of slicing point. Um, and then also age, which intersects with life stage. So as long as people are careful in making comparisons, I think comparisons are still possible. But yeah, I like the 3D chess metaphor. <laughs> Yeah, the social and historical context matter. Somebody who lived through the Great Depression and World War II might think differently than somebody who grew up in a relatively peaceful time like the 1980s, right? And, and you know, so that uh, needs to be factored in as Patricia Snell Herzog and her expertise in sociology takes an important look at us understanding the differences in charitable giving amongst generations. And Patricia, from your first example, what I also heard is, we can't stay static. And you talk about this in the chapter, that there are these kind of life course developments over time. Can you help us understand that aspect of this topic? Yes. Yeah, so I think it's it's helpful to understand that these kind of historic moments, especially ones that are so tragic, that it's so widespread, that everybody is, is really scarred by it. Um, those those tend to be much more shared, actually, than, than kind of times of prosperity and the wide variety of experiences that people can have during those times. So, you know, when typically when, when people are describing generational groupings, they talk about things like wars, um, the great depression, you know, the, the terrorist attacks and so forth, things that really shaped everybody, um, across that time horizon. Um, and those feel very static, you know, because those, those are kind of, um, imprints that stick with a person, uh, for their whole life. Um, but then there is also this dynamic aspect to the wonderful complexity of humans, uh, where we change over time. In fact, in the best case scenario, we change in response to the research that's produced. Um, and so, so uh, it always keeps us on our toes as social scientists um, and studies of um, arts and humanities in terms of um, of, of being willing to evolve the way that we go about understanding people because they are dynamic, shaping a life course, um, evolving as they, they change through different stages, and also taking in new information, reacting to new contexts, um, and, and being an agent in their life course. And so one of the things that comes out of the scholarship on life course development is this idea that people are going through different phases because um, of some of this, the contours that are part of being that set of ages. So for example, when people are launching into the early stages of adulthood or what some people call emerging adulthood, there's this focus on what, how am I going to mobilize my aspirations into a career? How am I going to get hired? You know, where am I going to live? Do I have enough education or do I need to go back to school? And some of those things have been shaken out and resolved at later life stages. And that means things for the degree to which young people who are in those key pivotal pivotal life-shaping moments are, are focused on themselves and their own aspirations. And so sometimes people without that kind of context can understand young people as being selfish. And so a lot of the life course scholarship kind of reframes that as a self-focused time period because there is this excessive uh, necessary attention on launching launching a life that is not the same, you know, it's not necessarily characteristic of, of later stages or earlier stages in life course development. 
it, earlier in our conversation, you mentioned that emerging adulthood is happening later or perhaps taking longer uh, in today's uh, you know, earlier, younger generations. Can you help us understand that? And also then importantly, what that means about their philanthropic behavior and what fundraisers need to know accordingly? Yes, I think it uh, it, it means things for the net change um, in uh, donor participation and other forms of engagement. Um, because if you think about, um, if you kind of slice open an orange where the, the different switch fruit metaphors <laughs> from apples to oranges, um, where each of the different slices in the orange is a, a generational cohort that's a, at a moment in time, the the um the fact that it is taking young people longer to launch into you know long-term careers and settle out their education and all those kind of social context features means that there are less people available in that cohort to be engaged in long-term um, sustained capacities relative to other um, prior points in time and so um i think one of the key implications of this is uh, for fundraisers and other people who are actively seeking to engage young people in their organizations to offer those kind of more episodic ways to get involved, to think about ways to frame um, the cause as central and not necessarily the relationship with the organization. Um, that might develop later once people have moved into other um life stages. But uh, if somebody isn't sure if they're going to be living in the same city the next year, if they'll be employed or if they'll need to move for school, they may not be all in on the organization. Um, and so forefronting the cause is, is one of the key implications. And that's one of the ways to understand, especially again, these emerging adulthood generations in terms of their um, organizational connectedness and social capital, which we know is a predictor of charitable giving. Uh, but as you see there uh, from that reply, and Patricia, you're a, a leader in our field uh, to really emphasize that charitable giving is not the only philanthropic behavior. While this textbook and this chapter focus on charitable giving, it sounds like you're saying, too, we need to meet generations across all of their philanthropic behaviors, including where they are in their particular life stage. Am I understanding that correctly? Absolutely. I think starting with various kinds of event participation and civic engagement, social actions can be a great way to then perhaps uh, invite people to engage in other types of activities like donating and volunteering. Differentiating generations and their giving. A complex topic covered thoroughly in Chapter 31 of Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, the fifth edition authored by my colleague, Dr. Patricia Snell-Herzog. And Dr. Snell-Herzog's research is actually embedded through many of the courses uh, in the fundraising school. Our major gifts course, oh, her research on how to understand major gifts and the donors is just pathbreaking and is helping our fundraisers learn important materials. Uh, that's just one of 22 public courses that we have that are offered in person and online. We also have custom training that we can design and bring directly to you, your nonprofit, your association, your region in the United States and anywhere across the world. We have quarterly webinars and of course, these free podcasts that come out every week. And of course, Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, the fifth edition, the seminal textbook that is the grounding work of the fundraising school's curriculum. All of this, is available on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash 
the Fundraising School. I'm so grateful to my colleague, Dr. Patricia Snell Herzog, for joining us today. Our producers are Mike Anthony and Dustin Donovan. I'm Bill Stanjakovich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the Fundraising School. Thank you.